Now, today's message, um, it's been a bit of a journey. I've been unpacking this for a couple of weeks, and I've um, preached on this topic once before. Not here. It was a, it was a long time ago. Um, and, it's, and it's interesting when there's something that the Holy Spirit wants you to share, how much the devil tries to smack you around a little bit um, in preparation. But I just take that as, you know, God's, God, God wants to do something really profound with us today. So my message is called When Things Don't Go the Way You Want. Um, and so if you're married, you'd probably be used to that idea that things don't always go uh, the way that you want. Um, and if you're single, if you're single, get used to that idea now uh, that not everything goes the way that you want. No, it's mar- married life is good. But in general, in general, things don't always go the way that we want, yeah? So today I want to unpack this. Now this can be a bit of, a, of an uncomfortable topic or concept. I know when Pastor Mark's been here a few times, he says there are two topics that preachers don't like tackling, money and sex. And I think it's just because people, when they're talking about it, they feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about it. You know, it's church. You don't really want to talk about sex. So people get a little bit quiet and back away. And when it comes to money, it's like we don't want you to, um, you know, we, we don't want to talk about money because you're sowing into something that is, you know, we work in it. So you don't want to. So I think it's uncomfortable there. But this concept um, I think is more uncomfortable because it's something we all have to tackle and confront because sometimes things don't go the way that we want. Sometimes we have to persevere and endure and suffer a little bit. And I know that that doesn't sound encouraging, but I promise you it is. I'm not perfect at embracing this, but I'm learning. And what am I learning? That when things don't go the way we want or the way we expect or the way that we plan, we need to surrender. We need to embrace contentment. And you know, that's a, that's a word in church circles that, that gets thrown around a lot, contentment. And it sometimes gets misunderstood. It, it's, a lot of the time people think contentment is happiness. So if I'm happy, I'm content. It's, it's a lot bigger than that. It's not just happy. It's, it's just having a peace with whatever's going on. And that's something that we need to, to embrace is that inner peace, that inner contentment with where life is at, where we are at. And so this morning I want to explore that because we, when we can find contentment in who we are, with where we are at in life and with the path and purpose God has us on, that's where we find our strength and a depth of intimacy with God that allows us to be confident that we can endure and survive because we are children of God. Amen. So I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for all you have done for us. We thank you that you are our provider and that you are there for us no matter what. We thank you for your great love for us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through me this morning, that it be your words and your truth that is spoken out so that we can come to a better understanding of what contentment is and how we can deal with situations when things don't go the way we want. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there was a quote that I found um, in preparing this message that I I really like, and it can be applied in a lot of of different ways. But it's particularly the last sentence in this that um, relates to my message. 
It's by a guy called Henry Blackaby, and it says, As a child of God, you ought to expect God to answer your prayers. Do you ask God to do something without adjusting your life to what you are praying? If you are praying for revival, how are you preparing for its coming? If you are praying for forgiveness, are you still living with guilt? If you have asked God to provide for your needs, do you remain worried and anxious? Ask God to increase your faith and then begin living a life that reflects absolute trust in Him. Yeah, it just gets straight to the heart of everything, that quote. And I love the, the ask God to increase your faith, but most importantly, and then begin living a life that reflects absolute trust in Him. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit throughout my message on what that looks like. But I want you to just start thinking about it. What, what does that look like for you to live a life that reflects absolute trust in Him? You know, contentment is often seen as something placid, that it just happens. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. You know, it's an active choice and decision that we need to make if we are going to walk this this journey in tune with the Holy Spirit and in obedience with our Heavenly Father. And that's what I want to explore today. How does that sound? I want to explore that when things don't go the way you want. I want to explore what that looks like. You know, in life, there's always stuff we want. You know, I've shared, I shared earlier this year about my bucket list, that it's stupidly excessive and so much random stuff on there. It was just, you know, you just write down all of this stuff. You have all, all of these dreams. But just because we have all of these things that we, we may want to do because it looks cool and it brings fame or, or people think you're awesome... Everybody here is automatically awesome, okay? I'm going to say that. Everybody here is automatically awesome because God says so. And you know, and that's the thing with things that we want to do. Sometimes we want to do them because we want to do them for us. But it's not what God's put us here on the earth to do. And sometimes we want it just because we want it. But it's not what we need. And so, what are some of the things that you want at the moment? I want you to consider that. Where are you feeling lost or empty and so want something to to fill that space? Where are you feeling confident and comfortable and so you want to just stay in that space? What is it that you're wanting? Where does God fit into that? That thing that you're wanting hoping for where does God fit into that you know diverting from our plans for our lives and moving into our God-given purpose is a daily battle we are daily to lay down our wants and desires and to surrender to him I'm not going to lie that's hard Because there are times when what we want or are believing for aren't bad things. You know, whether it's healing, deliverance, seeing our family and friends become followers of Jesus, whether it's it's that job that we that we want. We've been out of work and we want that job. Whether it's we just need this little thing to to get us through, whether it's wanting to have kids, all of that stuff. But still we need to lay these down and take up our cross. Now, we may not necessarily get what we want. Sometimes we might. 
Because sometimes if we're in tune with, with God, what we want is actually what we need and what He wants for us. So I want to preface that. But if we don't get what, what we want, what do we get? Well, if we take up our cross, if we follow Him, we get everything that the cross and Jesus represents. We experience love and grace. We get the freedom from, from sin and shame and the power that death has. We get the power to overcome and endure, among so many other things. We are given the ability to endure and persevere in this life and in the world. So I have three attitude battles that I want to look at this morning around this topic. And within each, find some applications for all of us. So the first battle is provision versus perseverance. And I think that provision is something we often misinterpret. And I know that I'm guilty of this. What I mean is that we hear the word provision. We know, we know Jehovah Jireh, that God is our provider. We know him. We've experienced that. And, you know, a lot of us have experienced times where God has actually come through and provided for us. And we know that he is good. And so sometimes we just expect God's going to give us what we want, yeah? Anyone else ever had, a, had this thought or, or questioned why he hasn't provided when by his nature he is provider? We've all been there. You know, when either of those happen, our response needs to be one of perseverance. Before I jump into a scripture, I want to just... There's a, there's a scene in a movie called Cool Runnings. Anybody familiar with this, with this movie? Good. So for those who's not, who aren't familiar with it, it's, it's based on a true story of the Jamaican bobsled team. They were the first Jamaican team to go to the Winter Olympics. Um, and they end up being coached by a disgraced ex-athlete. And now one of the guys in this team towards the end of the movie asks his coach why, why he cheated when he had fame and fortune. And the coach says, I had to win. Winning was my whole life. When you make it your whole life, you have to keep winning no matter what. And so the guy, the guy and his team just, just didn't understand. He's like, you've already got two gold medals. Like, what is it? And the coach himself said a few things and he finishes, says, ultimately, if you're not enough without it, you won't be enough with it. If you're not enough without it, you won't be enough with it. You know, often we're, we're in this place where we think, oh, I just need that car or I just need that house or I just need that little bit of money or that extra slice of cake. I, I, I need that, 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 that boy or that girl to, to love me. I need that job. You know, we seek a, a quick fix of provision over the long-term perseverance and what we learn. If we can't be happy without it, we're just going to keep, when we get it, we're just going to keep wanting the next thing and wanting the next thing and wanting the next thing. We need to learn this attitude of perseverance. Perseverance. You know, Matty shared the, the scripture that his grace is sufficient for me. And I'm going get, to get the scripture up on, on screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's an amazing piece of scripture. And no, I didn't organize it with Matt to, that we were both going to read it. Yeah. Yeah, the Holy Spirit knows what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, this is, one of, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Why? Because it reminds me that no matter how confident I may be or how easy my life may be at times, or how lucky I am to be married to M, living in this country, in this church, as a human, I am flawed. I am littered with weaknesses. Yes, it's true, I'm not perfect. But because of these flaws and weaknesses, my strength, him in me, he is my strength, he gives me my ability, my gifts, he gives me the ability to love unconditionally, All of that comes from God. His spirit within me equips me. And guess what? He does the same for each and every one of us. He does the same for each and every one of us. When we are weak, he is strong. Amen. He always is. But we often see it the most and allow it the most when we are weak. So I want to encourage everyone here, including myself, to embrace this today and every day, especially when things are going okay and we feel good and we feel strong and confident. Especially in those moments is when we need to understand that His grace is sufficient. And it's not about us it's all about him uh in daniel chapter three uh we hear a we we read a story about three guys and they're confronted by king nebuchadnezzar who builds this massive statue of himself and tells everybody that they have to bow before him so daniel chapter three verses 17 and 18 uh is is these guys shadrach meshach and abednego or your shack, my shack, and a bungalow, if that's easier to remember it. Um, they're, they're confronted with this decision, and this is what they say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They're confronted with being thrown into a furnace if they don't bow before this statue and they stay standing and say to the king hey i'm not bound before you who the heck are you and they stand there and they get thrown in the furnace and as we read there is a fourth person in there with them and they survive it because of perseverance daniel himself you know there's a decree put out by the king that you know you're not allowed to to pray to or to worship your god there's only one god and it's not your god so what does daniel do sits there with his window open praying out loud and he's heard praying and thrown into the lion's den and survives 
In Acts chapter 16, we read a, a story of Paul and Silas in prison. So they're shackled, but they're in there praying and worshipping and singing to God anyway. And we know that at midnight an earthquake hits and they are set free and they bring countless more people to know Jesus as a result. So what have these got to do with his grace being sufficient and perseverance? Well, these are three examples of times when either these individuals were faced with harm or shackled in prison. And in all of those instances, they persevered with their faith. Their faith was unshakable. They knew that Jesus, at the heart of everything, was central to who we are and how we are to live our lives. That with him, his grace is sufficient for everything. They trusted God in the midst of their storm and God gave them what they needed. Now, you may argue that they got what they wanted in being delivered and not killed, and perhaps that's true. But sometimes what we want and what we need is the same thing. But that doesn't change the fact that when we need a way out, when we need a shot of encouragement, when we need the ability to persevere, God gives these things to us. Because that's who he is. He gives us what we need. And he's bigger than all of us and he knows a whole lot more than we do. He gives us what we need to stay afloat. Now, the movie Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey's character um, trades places with God because he says he can do a better job than God. And so he sets up that all the prayers coming through come as emails. And rather than reading them and dealing with them, he just goes, reply all yes. <laughs> reply all yes. Now, imagine if God said yes to everything we prayed for, to everything humanity prayed for, it'd be chaos. And we see that later in the movie, that it's just completely nuts. Like you get 100,000 people win Tats Lotto and they're all winning like 20 bucks because they've all wanted to win it. So they're all winning 20 bucks. You know, everybody wants their team to win and there's just chaos and riots and everything. So God doesn't give us necessarily what we want or when we want it. He gives us what we need when we need it. We've just got to persevere. You know, think back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians. What if God's grace was the only blessing we ever received? Would that be enough for you? Think about it. That our sin has been washed clean because of his blood. And that act of grace in giving us something that we don't deserve. Giving us a gift. Would his grace be enough if that was the only blessing that we received this side of heaven? Is that alone enough to help you to stand strong through the trials and temptations of the world? You know, and some of you may be thinking, what does a kid who isn't even 30 yet know of struggles? And don't leaders always have faith and get what you pray for? I wish. I wish. You know, we'd, Em and I don't own our own home. We wouldn't have this struggle that we have at the moment to, to have babies. You know, we wouldn't be dealing with that. You know, one of the, the, the things that's been the most secure and solid in my entire life has been my parents' marriage, and they separated two months ago. And 
aren't going to reconcile. You know, sometimes, sometimes life sucks. Sometimes things are hard. But you know what? God is so much bigger than all of these things and he reigns on high and that's what is important, amen? Regardless of what we want, God is sovereign. I know it's hard sometimes to persevere and that's why we have a church family, to be there for each other, to lift each other's arms up. Regardless of how we feel, his plans are always better for us than anything we could want or dream up. We persevere because that's all we can do. His grace is sufficient, church. And that doesn't mean we cease believing for healings or for the miracles that we're believing for. It doesn't mean that Em and I will stop believing for babies. It doesn't mean that we, we have to stop believing that, that people are going to get saved and come to experience the love of God. It doesn't mean any of that. But if it doesn't happen, His grace is sufficient. And that's enough. And even just that thing, that His grace is sufficient, that is the favour of God, that we are sons and daughters through the blood of Jesus. The definition of favour is an act of kindness beyond what is usual. It's also approval, support or liking of someone. God's grace is what true favour is and is all the favour we actually need. Anything else is just to stake knives on top of it. So how do we persevere? We pray. We ask for his strength to be sufficient. You know, like Terry was talking about, the prayer meeting every Wednesday night, 7.30. Mike and the team are here to pray. We pray for our church. We pray for our people. And if nothing else, being in that space is allowing God to do something in you. Ask him for his strength to be sufficient. Say to him, not my will, but yours be done. Know who you are in him is another step. You know, we've got a Bible and throughout that, there are so many scriptures that say who we are in Christ. Know those scriptures. Declare the truth. You know, spend time in the word. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. And faithful in prayer. If there's any blueprint to persevering and overcoming, that's it. And find good people to support and encourage you. It's a, it's, it's a hard one to wrap your head around. And I'm nearly finished. The, the next two points are really quick. Um, but look, if you persevere, you'll get your coffee soon. So that's all right. <laughs> I've got to have a practical analogy for it somewhere. So the second attitude battle is comfort versus discomfort. So who likes being comfortable here? I, I do. I also like being uncomfortable because it means I'm learning something. But uh, if any of you have seen the Big Bang Theory, you know that Sheldon on his couch in his, in his, in his house, he has his spot. So at home, we've got, we've got a massive big couch and then we've got my wingback armchair. That's my armchair. That's not somebody else's armchair, that's my armchair. So I'm comfortable in my armchair. 
You know, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable in the cold. You know, so much so that I can't even I can't sleep without a fan even in winter. I, I I need to be cold. I'm weird, I know, but I love the cold. And growing up, you know, I I'm not afraid to admit I've admitted it from here before, but I had my teddy bears and I slept with my teddy bears. Even the first early stages of married life, I still had my teddy bears. It was comf it was comfortable. It was comfortable. It's comfortable. You know, we, we, we like being comfortable. And for some of you guys, it might be your morning coffee. It's your alone time. It's a range of different things, and that's okay until it gets in the way of what God wants to do. Point is, often we want to be comfortable. We want that comfort because it provides us security. And often God's call is something that pushes us outside our comfort zone. You know, we can feel like it's completely outrageous. But as the Rolling Stones once sang, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you get what you need. Everybody sings the, the you can't always get what you want bit, but, you know, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need. And I'm not sure Mick Jagger and his crew will have meant it, but they've given us some sound advice there that sometimes we get, all we have to do is just take a little step towards being uncomfortable. Taking a little step just to try what God is saying because, you know, God's not going to ask us to do something just to tear us down. When we make the choice to be obedient, even if it means being uncomfortable, we get what we need. So I'm going to read from Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22. You've probably heard this one before. It says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which one? Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was comfortable in that space. He was comfortable with what he had. And how often do we get in that space where we are so comfortable with where we're at that even if God is asking us to do something good, it, it, it's such a hard thing because we're so comfortable. We need, to, we need to take the bubble wrap off and we need to actually be ready to, to get a little bit uncomfortable. You know, and it can be, we can be comfortable because we're in a good season and we don't want it to end or finish. But we can be comfortable with the bad stuff too. You know, M was at Colour Conference and came back and told me about this message that Christine Kane preached. Um, and it's about picking up your mat and, and, you know, there's a guy who's at the well and Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to be healed? And he goes, but Lord, I've, I've got no one to take me to the, to the pool to put me in there. And he's like, well, if you want to be healed, stand up, take your mat and go. Sometimes we get stuck on a mat of feeling worthless or not good enough or 
whatever it is, we get stuck on that and that becomes comfortable. That anything else, that actually standing up and living out our purpose is uncomfortable. We need to be willing to embrace this discomfort. And I know that that can be really difficult, but that's why we journey together. It's why I love cross-generational friendships and why I think they're so important. As a young person, I value the wisdom of those who have been walking the journey much longer than I have. And I know that other young adults here feel the same. We need your wiser heads to stabilize us, to bring us encouragement, to, to share your experiences and to take us on the journey. We need you to raise up and champion us young ones in this place. We know we're imperfect, but we're trying and we want to learn. But also, though, allow us to bring some energy and some zeal to your lives and to ask questions. We want to learn from you, but also to challenge you and encourage you as you do for us. And together, we can help each other through the times of discomfort. You know, family is different generations. So we need to actually, in this place, interact across generations because there is so much that we can give each other. And not only that as an application, but pray, not my will, but yours be done. Habits can be bad, we know that, you know, biting nails, stuff like that. They, but habits can also be good too. Make this a prayer you incorporate daily and allow God to challenge you and equip you. Everyone here has the ability to change the world, even if it's just for one person, if we are willing to embrace some discomfort. Amen? Remember... He says, my grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient, church. And so the third and final attitude battle is invincibility versus contentment. You know, Frank Sinatra had a song where he sang, I'll do it my way. And I feel like as humans, that's our life anthem. We probably don't really want to admit it, but for a lot of us, we want to do it our way. And if you're like me, which I have... Uh, just an internal need to be in control. This happens a lot because I trust myself to get things done properly. It's a flaw. I know it's a flaw and I'm working on it. And it's not inherently wrong per se to have your way of, of doing things because we need to embrace our skill set and the knowledge that God gives us. But it just can't be at the detriment of God's plans. You know, our invincibility, one, is an illusion. We don't have those uh, multicolored squares from Mario Kart in real life. So if you've ever, ever played Mario Kart, you're driving along, you can hit this thing and then you get super speed, you can crash into everything and knock them flying. We don't have that in real life. We don't have that. We never have been invincible and so we need to slow down and consider those around us. We need to consider what God is asking us to do. And second, our invincibility will be our downfall if we continue to pursue it. I look at someone like Judas, was called to be a disciple of Jesus, but had this perception of who Jesus was going to be and would not waver on that he would be a king who came and conquered and slaughtered. And he couldn't deal with that, that he sold Jesus out to, to the Romans for 30 pieces of silver. He lost his way because he couldn't get around this perception that being victorious meant being invincible. But Jesus endured all of that for all of us. And to me, that's a pretty kingly response. 
This leads to Philippians 4.13. And now this is a scripture that we've, we've all heard numerous times. And I just want to read a couple of verses as context. So verse 10, Philippians 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is probably the most misused scripture in the whole Bible, I think. You know, it's often thrown around as a bit of a badge of invincibility that, you know, I can, I can go and do all of these things because I got, I got Jesus with me. It's not, it's not about us doing what we want and Jesus is with us. It's about focusing on Him. The true power comes from contentment. Verse 13 isn't saying we are invincible. God is though, by the way. Rather, it is saying that our strength comes from our union and relationship with Jesus. That is the secret of contentment. Our relationship with Him. And so the more time we spend with Him, the deeper our relationship with Him, the greater chance we have of actually having that contentment. So not invincibility, relationship. Remember what he says, my grace is sufficient. Relationship with him is all that is needed to be content, church. So I like to look at Philippians 4.13 like this. I can overcome. I can endure. I can persevere. I can forgive. I can love. I can suffer. I can let go of what I have. I can step up. I can pick up my mat and walk. I can survive the furnace and the lion's den. I can take up my cross. I can be uncomfortable. I can be content because I have a deep-rooted, intimate relationship with Jesus. And this is my strength. In Jesus, I find contentment and can survive not getting what I want. Amen? That's all of us. The secret to contentment is our relationship with him. Can I get the band to come up, please? It can be hard to find peace and contentment in life. There are so many ups and downs, valleys and mountaintop experiences. The thing is, though, even if the world around us changes, God doesn't. He still reigns. Even if we are in a storm, the love of Jesus always has power. You know, when it comes to an application as well as prayer and spending time in the Word, we need to get to know Jesus with great depth. Read the Gospels. See who He is. He is our King and our Lord. And the more we know Him and interact with Him, that unlocks our contentment. We need to allow ourselves the opportunity to experience and live with the power of contentment. When we are in relationship with Jesus, when we repent and turn back to Him and accept His gift and His sacrifice, we are strong. His grace is sufficient, church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your grace. 
We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. That when we are weak, you are made strong. And when we feel strong, you are stronger. We thank you, Lord, that you help us to persevere. That you're with us in the discomfort. And that in you, we find the secret to contentment. 